Our scripture reading this morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from uh, the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. My name is Jared, and I am a pastor at High Wycombe Church, which is a sister church of Frio Church here. So um, we, we call it HWC, which is uh, the abbreviation. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really glad to be here with you this morning. Um, and I want to extend greetings from brothers and sisters out, we're way out east of the airport, um, but we love you guys, and, and, and it's pretty cool that in our churches we get to send our preachers around to different places, and, and so I'm, I feel privileged to be here this morning. Um, we're going to be looking in Mark's account of Jesus' life this morning, as we've just had read for us, and so far in, in Mark's uh, account of Jesus' life, he's been talking about Jesus the King. And he's been talking about Jesus, the king who saves. And Jesus has been preaching this message of salvation through him, the king. And today's passage continues that same theme with a worked example that makes evident our biggest problem and the one who can solve it. Uh, Please join me in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I want us to start this morning by thinking about what is our biggest problem? What's my biggest problem? What's your biggest problem? What's our world's biggest problem? I don't mean that in like a confrontational kind of way when you bump into someone and they go, what's your problem? Uh, <laughs> please don't take it that way. I mean like, uh, let's, let's think about what's humanity's greatest problem? What's our greatest problem? I want us to really think that through. Have a think about what, what kinds of answers you might get if you were to ask some people around you. Uh, if we were to walk outside and, and chat to some of our neighbors here in Frio, what kind of answers might they give us to that question? How might we answer that question? The way that we answer that question is significant. 
And it's significant because it shapes our entire lives. Um, and and, and I've, I've been thinking about what kinds of answers people might give to this, to this question, what is our biggest problem? And here are a few of the problems some people might say. One is poverty. Uh, the fact that many people around the world live without enough to survive. Another is war. Uh, the fact that countries battle and kill one another, like we're seeing happen today. Uh, another is disease and all the ailments that go along with that. Another is education. Uh, some people think if people were just more well-educated, we wouldn't have some of these problems. And still another is climate change. We see increasing natural disasters like bushfires and floods, rising global temperatures, and rising sea levels. And those are all significant issues that we have to think through. But what does Jesus say our biggest problem is? Well, Jesus, the king of the whole world, has a different idea. And in today's passage, Jesus shows us what he says is our biggest problem. And it isn't climate change, disease, war, or poverty. But not only does Jesus identify the problem, he shows us the only solution. And in doing so, the right response. So we're going to have a look at those three things. Our biggest problem, the only solution, and the right response. And to see our biggest problem, we're going to be starting looking at those first five verses that we saw in Mark 2, 1 to 12. So let me retell that for you in my own words. Uh, Jesus has gone back to a place called Capernaum, where he'd been casting out demons and healing many sick people. And he was at home. Uh, and he's becoming incredibly famous by this point. Word is getting out that Jesus is this amazing person doing these amazing things. People are flocking to see him from place, from all over the place. And there were so many people that there wasn't even room at the door. This place was packed. Can you imagine if there were so many people that, that, that no one could even walk in the door? And Jesus was preaching the word to them. Jesus was telling them this massive news that he is the king, that he is the king who saves. And at, at this point, four men and their friend who is paralyzed uh, come to try to see Jesus. They want to get their friend who has paralysis to see Jesus. And they try to get him near him, but they can't because of the crowd. And so what do they do? They make a plan, a pretty good plan as well. They, they, they decide, we're going to get up on the roof, and, and they, they, they do that, and they make an opening, they make a hole, uh, not, not to be vandals, but, um, but to get their friend to Jesus. They, they, they will do what it takes to get to Jesus. You can imagine the dust and the straw and the wood and the clay and the mud, whatever they made their house of, flying everywhere as uh, they make this hole and they lower their friend on his mat before Jesus. They've got their friend who, who is paralyzed to Jesus, their friend who can't walk. And they go to Jesus who has the power to heal. Can you imagine what everyone in that room would have been expecting? Huddled around, those huddled outside as well, waiting with bated breath. What's he going to say? What's Jesus going to do? Is he going to heal him? I bet he will. Even a guy with paralysis, what's he going to say? 
And Jesus, seeing their faith, says these words to the man who's paralyzed. Son, your sins are forgiven. What? Sins? Forgiven? But this, this guy is paralyzed. It's, it's obvious that he can't walk. That's why his four mates carried him up on the stretcher and then lowered him down from the roof. What, what unexpected words those are. I mean, can you imagine? Here's Jesus. He's been healing so many people with all kinds of diseases. He's been casting out all kinds of demons. And people are flocking to see him. A paralyzed guy is brought in front of him. And everyone's expecting another healing. But what does Jesus say? He says, son, your sins are forgiven. You see, everyone's expecting a healing because they think the guy's biggest problem is his paralysis. The fact that he can't walk. But Jesus knows that this man and us have a much bigger problem than that. And that's what Jesus calls sin, our rebellion against God. Wronging God, rejecting the giver of life. Uh, I want us to think for a moment about uh, getting outside. Have you, have you ever seen the, the glistening stars dazzle the night sky? Who's seen the, the stars dazzling the night sky? Um, I've, I've, a few times I've, I've seen the stars in a particularly striking way. Once when I was um, on, a, on a sailing ship and, and there was no light around. For I, I've never seen so many stars in all my life. And just the dazzling array of stars. Have you ever heard the majestic waves crash in the ocean? Think of a time when you were breathless looking around at the world around you. This world isn't an accident. It isn't a mistake. It isn't meaningless. Think of the relationships we have with one another, love that we share. That's not meaningless. No, it's the purposeful creation of the perfect God. And it displays his power. And when we're amazed at the stars or the mountains or the oceans, what we're really seeing are the fingerprints of our creator. The creator who's good, who's perfect, who's loving. The creator who made this world out of love. And Jesus, that creator, God come to earth, perfectly displays that love. But we don't perfectly display that love, do we? I mean, think of, think of those relationships that we have with one another. So often we're at odds with one another, aren't we? And, and how much more so our relationship with the perfect one, with God? You see, there's a rebellious streak in all of us, a streak that says, don't tell me how to live my life. You're not the boss of me. And, and we even feel that way towards God, don't we? But who, who, who has the authority or the right to call the shots in our lives? Is it us? Or is it the one who made those stars? The one who made the waves? The one who made everything? The perfect, loving creator of the world. This world is his it belongs to him. He made it, he rules over it, and he is perfect. 
But, but that's a scary reality for, for us who, who aren't perfect, isn't it? I mean, the fact that our human relationships are broken is devastating in and of itself. And, and we see the consequences that that have, has in our lives. But the reality that our relationship with God is broken, that's terrifying. This, this drive for autonomy, that rebellious streak that leads to us rejecting our creator, that's what Jesus refers to here as sin. And that's what all of us uh, find ourselves living in by nature. Sin is, is turning our backs on God, betraying him. And, and, and because of sin, each and every one of us deserves condemnation before the perfect God. You see, when we reject the giver of life, he rightly takes that away from us. And when we stand before God one day, uh, we deserve to face that penalty for rebellion against him. And that's a far bigger problem than paralysis. That's a far bigger problem than climate change. It's a far bigger problem than a lack of education. I mean, we could solve all of those other problems, but we'd still be under God's judgment. Because none of those problems capture the real issue. We could live lives without physical ailments, but it wouldn't change our standing before God. We could stop the sea levels rising, but it wouldn't change our standing before God. We could live lives with all of the education under the sun, but it wouldn't change our standing before God. In a world where all of these other problems are solved, our biggest problem remains, the problem that underlies all of those others. And notice that the problem of our rebellion against God is an eternal one. It's a forever problem. It matters now, and it matters in a hundred years. It matters in a thousand years, and a million years. It goes on forever and ever. And that's because our relationship with our creator, the one who made those stars and the mountains and the waves, that relationship matters forever. God made humanity. So we find ourselves accountable to him, answerable to him. We've rebelled against him. And one day we're going to have to give an account to him of our lives. We're going to answer to him. And he is the perfect one. And we don't match up with Jesus' perfection. I mean, uh, if you open the Bible and you read about Jesus' love and his compassion and his care for other people and his selflessness... I look at my own heart and think how, how often I'm not loving and kind and compassionate like Jesus. And that's true for all of us. That's humanity's greatest problem, our rebellion against God. Jesus identifies that problem here. Do we believe what he's saying? That brings us to the only solution not only does Jesus reveal our greatest problem, he provides the only solution, forgiveness of sins. Jesus tells this man that his sins are forgiven. Jesus tells this man his rebellion is washed away and he is forgiven. That all the wrong things that he said and done and thought and will do and say and think are wiped clean from his record. Jesus offers this man salvation from his and our biggest problem, our rebellion against God. 
Jesus forgives this man and pronounces him right with God. And Jesus not only offers forgiveness to this man, but to all who come to him with open hands, ready to receive the free gift of eternal life. You see, the God who gave us life to begin with is the same God who offers us the gift of eternal life now. We too can have our records wiped clean and be made right with God in Jesus. Instead of getting what we deserve, eternal judgment, we get the free gift of eternal life in Jesus. And that sounds amazing, doesn't it? Our, our biggest problem dealt with. But, but someone might say to me, that all sounds well and good, but surely anyone can just say your sins are forgiven. So why should I trust Jesus? Well, a similar sort of question came up back then uh, when the scribes, that is the, the people who were the sort of well-to-do uh, Jews of the day who were teachers and so on, they were questioning the things that Jesus was saying in their hearts. After Jesus had said the paralyzed man is forgiven, uh, they, the scribes, said to themselves, wait a second, only God can forgive sins. So Jesus must be blaspheming. He must be saying things that are wrong about God or claiming to be God when he's not. The first part of what they said is true. Only God can forgive sins. I mean, we can, we can forgive sin uh, from, from one another when we've wronged one another, uh, but we can't pronounce one another ultimately forgiven. We can't declare someone right before God. Only God himself can do that. If you imagine two guys, we've got Jack and we've got John. Uh, Jack can forgive John for hurting him and their friendship can be restored. They can be reconciled. Uh, but Jack can't forgive John for every wrong that John has ever done. Uh, Jack can't say that, that, that John is, is right in, in God's sight. Only God has the power to give that forgiveness. And like we saw earlier, our sin is wronging God, rebelling against him. When, when John hurt Jack, he not only wronged Jack, but he wronged God. He wronged the creator who made Jack, who loves him. And the breakdown of the relationship between one another is evidence of the breakdown of the relationship between us and God. Only God can forgive us all of our sins and declare us right with him. So coming back to what the scribes were thinking, they were right that only God can forgive sin. They were right that Jesus was claiming to be God. But they were wrong in their accusation that Jesus was blaspheming. They were wrong to think that Jesus was speaking where he had no right to. And that's because the scribes didn't recognize Jesus for who he is. To address this, Jesus heals the paralyzed man. Jesus heals the paralyzed man to show who he, Jesus, is. Jesus asks, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? He's, uh, he's not talking about counting syllables here, which is what I thought he was talking about when I was a small child. And I was like, okay, your sins are forgiven. Rise, get up and walk. And, and um, that's not it. <laughs> uh, so five-year-old Jared didn't understand this passage fully. Uh, he, he's, he's not talking about that. He's, he's saying, which is easier to say in the sense that which, which is evident right now? Which one, which one of people are going to know right now? Uh, and, and so 
Which one's immediately testable? If you say to someone, uh, if someone pronounces forgiveness of sins, that'll become apparent at the last day. But if you say to someone, rise, get up and walk, that's going to be apparent right now. Jesus healed the paralyzed man for a very specific reason. See with me in verses 10 and 11. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And then he does and everyone's praising God. Jesus heals this man to show that he, Jesus, is the divine Son of Man who has authority to forgive sins. Jesus shows that he can do the one that's easier to say, that's forgiving someone's sins, because he can do the one that's harder to say, healing the man on the spot. You see, only God can forgive sins, but Jesus is God. You see, the God who is the giver of life, who made the stars and the mountains and the waves, Jesus, he is that God. He is the one who has the power to give eternal life. He is the one who has the power to bring healing. And the name that Jesus uses to refer to himself, Son of Man, is, a, is an Old Testament uh, term that's used of the promised king who is, who is God and who rules over everything. And Jesus is that king. Jesus is that God. As God, Jesus can and does forgive sins. And he's perfectly just in doing so. He's fair and right. But how can that be? How can that be? Because he went lovingly to the cross. You see, Jesus forgiving sins is not him compromising God's justice. No, God is perfectly just and perfectly merciful. In the cross of Jesus, we see him who knew no sin, Jesus. Jesus who is not tainted in any way by sin. He became sin to take on our rebellion against God and bear God's wrath in our place, that we might go free. That's the love that Jesus has for us. On that cross, Jesus, the Lamb of God, washes sinners clean through his perfect blood shed in our place. Our greatest problem is not an earthly problem. It's our sinful rebellion against God. And that means that we naturally stand condemned. But Jesus doesn't leave it there. He tells us the solution, the solution that's found only in him, in the crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. So we've seen that our biggest problem is our sin. And we've seen that the only solution is found in the Lord Jesus. And so now we come to the right response. We've seen that Jesus is the fully, son of, fully God, son of man, with authority to forgive. We've seen Jesus prove his authority by healing the paralyzed man. And we've seen Jesus has done everything necessary to forgive sinners by dying on the cross. The question that remains for us to answer is what does this have to do with you and me? Sitting in 2022 in Frio on a Sunday morning, how, what does this have to do with us? This is something that happened in history. What does it mean for you and I today? Well, I want us to look at the words that Jesus says to the man with paralysis. And then I want us to think of three ways that we could possibly respond to these words. The words that Jesus says, remember, your sins are forgiven. 
That's what we all desperately need, rescue from sin, salvation, a clean record, being washed clean by Jesus' blood. Your sins are forgiven. Have a think about response one. My sins are forgiven, but I'm, I'm not a sinner. I'm, I'm actually an all right person. Um, I, I, I try to do the right thing. I if I make something wrong, I, I make it right. Most of my relationships seem to be going okay. I don't, I don't think I really fit into that category that, that Jesus is saying this guy does. To the person assured of their own righteousness, Jesus' words are humbling. Jesus' words are humbling for all of us. Jesus calls it how it is. There's no beating around the bush with Jesus. We're, we're sinners rebels against the creator God, the one who made everything, we actually don't live in right relationship with him. We try to go our own way and deserve his judgment because of it. Uh, Despite attempts to downplay this reality, deep down, we all know this. We know that God is real. And that's why we feel guilty when we do the wrong thing. Yet many of us might not say those words specifically, But in the way we act, we may downplay our sin. Jesus never does. We may wrongly think and live like there are bigger fish to fry, but Jesus calls out our sin for what it is, our biggest problem. Response one is the attitude that much of our world promotes today. Everyone is perfect in their own way. Everyone is good. But this fails to recognize the severity of the situation. The Bible tells us everyone is a sinner deserving of God's judgment. Failing to recognize the severity of the problem is fatal because if we fail to see our sin, we fail to see our need for salvation. If we don't see that we need Jesus, we can't be saved. That's response one, which is a self-righteous failing to see the severity of the situation. Response two, My sins are forgiven, but I'm unforgivable. How how could God ever love me? Why would he want anything to do with me? He would never love someone like me. To the person assured of their sin, but hopeless and despairing, asking questions like, how could God ever love me? How could God ever forgive me? Jesus' words are a balm for the soul. Jesus' words are full of grace and truth, mercy and peace, reconciliation and forgiveness. As we've seen, Jesus doesn't downplay our sin, not at all, but Jesus is stronger than our sin. I suspect there'll be some of us here who have no issue recognizing the severity of the situation, but struggle to see the strength of our Savior. This is response to despair and unbelief, failing to see the love and grace of Jesus, that it's more powerful than our sin. And both of these are the wrong response to take. One is to fail to see the severity of the situation, and the other is failing to see the strength of the Savior. And I think that as we walk the Christian life, we will realize that at different times we may sway towards one of these responses 
At certain times we might start to feel things are going well, start to feel self-righteous and that we're doing good things and therefore God must be happy with us. Or on the flip side, we may start to despair. I'm making no progress. I'm such a sinner. Why would God ever love me? Why would he ever forgive me? So if these two responses aren't right, what is the right response to Jesus' declaration of forgiveness of sins? My sins are forgiven because of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I trust you. The two key truths are the severity of the situation. We must recognize and confess to God that we are indeed rebels against him, deserving of his judgment and in desperate need of his salvation. And the other is the strength of the Savior. At the same time, we must confess that Jesus Christ is the almighty Son of Man with authority to forgive sins, who loved us so much that he came and he stretched out his hands on a cross in our place. That's how much Jesus loves us, that he would go to that cross in our place, dying the death that we deserved, bearing our guilt that we may go free. You may be feeling burdened by the weight of the guilt of living a life that goes against God. There's forgiveness in Jesus. There's relief, there's salvation, there's hope. And it's a secure hope. The cross is how we make sense of these two things together. Both how bad our sin is and how awesome our saviour is. Yes, our sin truly is horrible. It's, it's to reject the giver of life. And yes, our saviour is even greater. Praise Jesus. Praise the one who disarmed sin, death and the devil, rendering them powerless through his death. That one is Jesus, the giver of life, the giver of eternal life. The only right response to Jesus is to come like the four friends and their friend who had paralysis with open hands ready to receive the gift of Jesus, coming in faith, in trust in him, not downplaying our sin and not downplaying our saviour, recognising that we are broken and trusting the only one who can make us whole, Jesus. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, you are awesome. You are all glorious. You deserve all of the praise. You are the giver of life, the giver of eternal life. We thank you that you are the awesome God. Lord, we confess that so often uh, we, we want to rebel against you. We want to do things our way. We don't like living with, with someone else in control, in charge. And for that, we acknowledge, Lord, that we deserve uh, your judgment for rejecting you, the giver of life. We pray that you would be merciful to us. Show us your mercy, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you neither downplay the severity of the situation and you neither downplay who you are, Lord Jesus, the almighty saviour. And we pray that we, would, that we would recognize the problem, recognize the only solution in you, Jesus, and respond in trust. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Let's stand and continue praising.